And, and the other thing is, I, I love the energy that young people bring. I mean, what older person doesn't want to, you know, I go to grandparents and your grandkids. I mean, it's one of the genius things about Legacy Coalition. What grandparent doesn't light up around his or her grandkids? I mean, it's just crazy. Welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I am joined by my co-host, John Colomb, who is Director of Spiritual Development for the Legacy Coalition. Our special guest today is a good friend of the Legacy Coalition, Hal Habecker of Finishing Well Ministries. We're going to be talking with Hal in just a moment, but first, John, uh, I usually ask you this question. Um, do you have any words of wisdom for us today, you know, as spiritual director of the Legacy Coalition? Oh, of course. Well, um, you know, I have two unwritten rules about life. <laughs> but no, seriously. <laughs> sorry. I am so sorry. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, no, I, one of the... <laughs> One of the themes uh, of Hal's life, because I've followed Hal, I've read his little book, what the Bible says about growing older. And uh, he talks about the importance of change, 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 the importance of growing. In fact, this one line, Hal, you never fish in the same river twice. The river is always changing. And as we grow older, it's it gets harder and harder to handle some of the change. But the word of wisdom, I guess I would want to pass on, it is really, I've, I've heard this years ago, and it just serves me well, and it is, there's seven cyclical needs for anyone or anything living. One is that healthy things grow, growing things change, changing things challenges, challenges forces to trust, Trust leads to obedience. Obedience makes us healthy. And we come right back full circle. Healthy things grow. And and uh, no kidding, <laughs> all kidding aside, that's um, really important for us as we continue to get older. Not old, older. It's a difference. And uh, Hal, I love that little quote of yours. You never fish in the same river twice. The river is always changing. So thanks for that yeah. reminder. Well, uh, John, those are, are good words. And, and I know people right now are, are, are going to rewind this podcast just a little bit so that they can write down all of those things you just said. <laughs> that was good. Well, as I mentioned, our special guest today is Dr. Hal Habecker. He is president of Finishing Well Ministries, which he founded seven years ago. I think that was in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. And before doing that, he was the senior pastor at Dallas Bible Church uh, for 21 years. And before that, he led a ministry called the Christian Medical and Dental Association, a ministry to physicians, dentists, and medical students, which um, I'm going to ask you about that here in a minute. Oh, well, that's that's really interesting. He's a graduate of Taylor University, Dallas Seminary, and uh, received his doctorate at Denver Seminary. He's authored several books, including the one that John just mentioned, What the Bible Says About Growing Older, The Exciting Potential for This Season of Life is the subtitle. Hal and his wife, Vicki, have, have been married for 47 years. They have three grown children and six grandchildren, and they live in Plano, Texas. That's not plain old Texas, but <laughs> but Plano, Texas, and uh, just north of Dallas. Yeah. Here. Well, how we're going to talk with you in a moment about uh, your ministry, but first, you know, we have a tradition going here in season two of our podcast. We want to ask you ten questions that we call our Legacy Grandparenting Podcast Poll. It's a quick way for our listeners to get to know you a little better. So, are you ready for that? Okay. I'm ready. Wayne. Number one, yeah. the best book that you've ever read. And, you know, we're, you can cross the Bible. We'll just assume that as a believer, the Bible's right up there. But other than that, best book. I read a book uh, when I was in high school called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And it has marked my life ever since. 
I would say it's just fundamental, you know, what your life needs to be God oriented. And that book helped me as a high school kid to focus on God. <laughs> it's amazing how many times that book shows up on, on people's top 10 list. Yeah. Mine's was, right down there. Certainly <laughs> on mine. <laughs> okay. Number two, a day in your life that you'd like to live over again, either because it was so good or maybe it was so bad you want a, a do-over. Uh, you know, that's a good question. It's the only one of the 10. I didn't write my answer down. I've answered <laughs> all of them. Uh, let me come back to that one. Can I wait? Sure. Okay. Your favorite song when you were in high school. Well, I got a couple. Sweet Georgia Brown. I used to play basketball, so we always came onto the court with that song. Yeah, Respect by Aretha Franklin, I've always loved. And Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie Valli. I mean, those are yeah. mid-60s. Those They're are my songs. Ones. I like them all. Okay. Uh, the best pizza is found where? You're going to love yeah. my answer. Anywhere in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky and I've been to Italy three yeah. times, and the pizza is just always classic there. <laughs> and I love pizza here. I even make it in our home. I wouldn't say my pizza is the best, but you, I can't beat. I can't match what they do over there. So it is really unique, you know. And several people have, have uh, mentioned that, and and I would say, you know, I, I mean, I've had some really incredible pizza that I'm not even sure if it qualifies as pizza, you know, really, you know, because in, in Italy, you don't really find that kind of pizza, you know, the, the, the really thick gooey, just loaded with all, you know, every, every kind of meat and so forth. Well, you know, but, but there is something special about that, that thin I love pizza it. that you can get almost anywhere. I mean, you just can't get a bad meal over there. <laughs> well, it's because the they're best. they're twirling at you know in this very clean sky, and then the tomatoes come right out of the field. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's they the do. reason. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Hal, a hobby or an outside interest that you enjoy? Well, I'll go back and answer the second one on this one as well. I'm a cyclist. Hmm. I, you know, when I was in college at Taylor. I rode a bicycle from Miami Beach to Seattle, Washington, with a group there called the Wandering Wheels. And Bob Davenport, he used to play football at UCLA back in the 50s. And I love cycling. Uh, two of the best days, uh, I would say if I picked one, I rode two mountains in France. The one is called Laupe d'Huez, which is the famous 21 switchback mountain. And the other one, um, God, I'm drawing a blank on it down in uh, Southern France. Uh, when on my trip, this is crazy. We rode 3,500 miles from Miami to Seattle. We're going east to west and they've never taken another trip because all the prevailing winds are westerly. With one exception, we were in Kansas one day and I rode 180 miles in six <laughs> hours. We averaged 30 miles oh. an hour. Oh my I mean, that's just a fun day. I, I just, <laughs> I think about that. Uh, just classic riding yeah. day. You know, we we uh, started travel camps when I was doing youth ministry, and I patterned some of that off of the wandering wheels. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Bob Davenport has been a good friend of mine. He's still living in Upland, yeah. and uh, I hopefully see him next weekend when I'm okay. up there. Good. Well, Hal, we're... Uh... We, we checked number two off the list there. So here's a question. Actually, this is number six. Someone who had a big influence on you. Who comes to mind? Well, I bet you remember him, Wayne. Joe Bailey. Yes. From uh, Well, Joe had a deep influence in me. And that column he wrote, <laughs> Out of yeah. My Mind, in Eternity Magazine. I mean, he had a huge impact on me as a young man growing up. And then the other one I'd put up there is Vernon Grounds from Denver Seminary. He was he was really my mentor. I did my doctorate under him, sat in his office hour after hour after hour, and we had a wonderful friendship. And those are just two of them. Uh, you know, I like to talk about we wouldn't be where we're at unless those kind of men or women have influenced us. So I have a whole history of men who have shaped my life. Yeah, well, then, uh, you know, we do have something even more in common, and that is that uh, Joe Bailey and 
and Vernon Grounds were also very influential in my life. In fact, both of those guys wow. were um, uh, keynote speakers at our very first National mm-hmm. Youth Workers Conventions that we did with youth specialties back in the early 70s. And I remember Joe Bailey showed up and he wore a, a potato sack shirt just so he could you know, be kind of cool to relate to all the youth workers. Actually, it was a little more awkward than cool, but we appreciated it, and uh, we learned a lot from him. He wrote a great book called The Gospel Blimp, which I always really loved. All right, uh, how did you meet uh, your wife? It's one of the days I could relive. <laughs> I met her on a blind date. One of my best friends at Dallas Seminary said, I think you ought to meet this gal, and he set it up, and it was love at first sight, and we were married 11 months later. <laughs> well, and a blind date can't get my eyes yeah. off you. It would be very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. She'd love it, too, okay. if she were interacting here with this. Um, you have six grandkids. What do they call you? Papa. And Vicky is Grammy. So it's Grammy and Papa. That's the same with you, John, right? Yeah, because yeah. you did Camp Grammy words. and Papa, isn't that your thing? In fact, my grandson just called me before I jumped on this thing. He wanted to tell me about a new bed he had just gotten. And so he goes off and just, Papa, I love you. Yeah. And I just heard from my grandson who found a shopping cart and is making a go-kart. I asked him where he uh, got the shopping cart. <laughs> Apparently it was in a... <laughs> in the dump. <laughs> anyway, that's a great word. Papa. I love it. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm still yeah. holding out for your majesty. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, anything left on your bucket list, if you have a bucket list at all, Al? I, I do. And you, you will love this, I think. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of St. Patrick of Ireland. Every... St. Patrick's Day. As a pastor, I would always send out the prayer of St. Patrick to all of my, everybody on our network. I still do it and finish it well. I send it out every March 17th. I think it's one of the great prayers. There's a book written on that prayer, which I reread every March, but I've never been to (laughs) Ireland. And I want to go and I want to chase the trail of St. Patrick. That's a good one. You, yeah, you love it. Is your uh, is that your heritage as well, Hal? No, I'm German. Okay, how I'm from a little town in Germany, uh, which I visited a couple years ago. But no, I, I just love St. Patrick. I love what he represented. I love the prayer he wrote. It's just a marvelous, marvelous prayer. And I've gotten your, uh, e- I'm on your email list, so I've I've gotten St. Patrick's prayer from you, and really, really. Uh, was moved by it. It's, it is powerful. Ireland is I, Ireland is beautiful. Ireland is fantastic. My ancestors are from Ireland, and so we did a little family history thing there. The banjo is probably part of that Irish. Yeah. Well, you know, my yeah, my brother and I, uh, we took a, a banjo and a and a guitar with us, um, a travel size banjo and guitar, and we we went into pubs cause they're just like, they're like coffee houses over there and uh, people gather together and sing and, and play music. And we just had a blast. <laughs> it was really, really a lot of fun. I love yeah. it. I love it. Uh, you got a favorite Bible verse, Hal. Okay. I have two of them. Joshua one, eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then your way will be prosperous and then you'll have success. Mm-hmm. And the second one is Psalm 37, four. Memorize both <laughs> these verses as a kid. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I, I, they, they've marked my life. It's the way I live. Mm-hmm being absorbed with the word and uh, what is it? Spurgeon has this quote, you know, you ought to be able to slit your wrist and bleed bibline blood. I love bibline it. blood. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't be so saturated with the word of God. Yeah. The key word there is delight, isn't it? I think. Yeah. Well, good. It's good. Now we really, really know you Hal, here before we get into this whole uh, discussion. 
Those are good yeah, questions. They are. Hal, I, I mentioned in my introduction of you that you led a ministry called the Christian Medical and Dental Association. And uh, I really didn't know about that until I, I was kind of looking up just to make sure I had your bio correct. But tell us about that. I know you're a doctor, but there's no MD after your name. How did you get involved with physicians, doctors, and dentists? I mean, that's interesting. Like they say, I'm one... I'm one of those doctors that can't do you any good. <laughs> it's a quick story. Yeah. I'll tell you. When I was in seminary, I attended a Sunday school class at First Baptist Church, Dallas, under W.A. Criswell, called the Medical Dental Sunday School Class. The only reason I went there is they had a great teacher. It was started by Dr. Charles Ryrie, actually. But they, uh, these doctors always wanted to have an excellent Bible teacher so that if residents and med students and dental students could come, they were guaranteed a good lesson. And I sat in that class. The teacher left and they drafted me to teach the class. I had no business teaching a group of physicians and dentists. I thought <laughs> I'm completely unqualified, a farm kid from Pennsylvania. But they insisted that I teach the class. So I went to Haddon Robinson who was my preaching professor at Dallas Seminary, who at that time was the part-time head of the Christian Medical Society. So we got to know each other and he kind of mentored me and working with physicians and dentists. And then believe it or not, Joe Bailey succeeded him as the part-time general secretary of the Christian Medical Society. And Joe found, we discovered each other and he said, Joe, would you, or he said, how would you come and work with me and the Christian Medical Society? I said, Joe, I'd love to. It'd be an honor. I had said years ago that if I could work for anybody I ever met as a young seminary student, I'd love to work for Joe Bailey. Just his creativity, the way he approached life, the way he thought. Well, anyways, they hired me and I worked with them for 16 years and that launched me into a ministry with physicians, dentists, medical and dental students, not only across the country, but around the world. In many places we've traveled, just helping groups of physicians and dentists develop a mindset for what God wants them to be and do. And it was just a marvelous deal. That's really cool. Did you get any like free dental work out of the, out of the deal? Or? No, I did not. <laughs> I got free advice everywhere. <laughs> well, that's good. You know? yeah. Okay. Uh, Hal, you were a senior pastor for 21 years, and then you started uh, Finishing Well Ministries. What led you to uh, move in that direction, to move out of the pastorate, um, to begin this new ministry, this new focus? Well, two things. You know, I'm very conscious of how, I developed in life and what God, people God uses. And you realize that the people God uses in your life are all a lot older than you, starting with your birth and your parents, you know, it's crazy. You know, people 30 years older than you. And as a pastor, I felt the need to pay attention to older people because I watched the church distance themselves from them in many, in many occasions. And I loved them. They met, I mean, I remember Vernon Grounds. I mean, I love the man. He poured his life into me, Joe Bailey, people like this. So I gravitated towards them. And the other thing that was happening as I preached every Sunday, I felt myself growing, uh, feeling the distance from younger people, even in the choice of my illustrations. You know, my, I'd choose illustrations that meant more to me than, you know, my kids love me, but I felt that distance and I felt God stirring in my life. And I actually wanted to stay at the church and develop a senior ministry, kind of like you had at Fullerton, John. But our elders didn't want it. So, you know, then I said, well, what am I going to do? I'd already set in motion a move. And so a group of uh, men came around me at the church and said, what do you want to do? Why don't you start a ministry to older people? I said, let's do it. And they said, we're behind you. And so I left the church and launched this ministry, and here we are, still growing. Yeah, well, that sounds a lot like many ministries that I know have got started. And um, uh, now that you've been doing this for a while, working uh, with people and teaching them how to finish well, um, 
who is your audience? How old do you have to be to really start uh, thinking about finishing well? Well, as as a matter of fact, I think you need to be working on it from your <laughs> earliest years, thinking about that. Uh, but, you know, as, as a matter of practicality, you know, I think you're looking at people in the mid-50s, you know, on up. What are you going to do for the rest of your life once you retire? Uh, I think that's the challenge, the real challenge, the best yeah. one. And the landscape has certainly been changing. In fact, the most recent statistics about aging America is pretty overwhelming. I mean, and with filled with great opportunity. It really and is. great need. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about your book. Um, the one that you've uh, written titled what the Bible says about growing older. Um, my guess you know, and I haven't done an extensive study, you probably have, but I, I would imagine that the Bible has quite a lot to say about growing older. But uh, maybe, you know, in a nutshell, if somebody to, were to just ask you to summarize, you know, what does the Bible have to say about growing older? Well, let me say a couple things quickly. Uh, a couple verses. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still as an older person, declare your wondrous deeds. Even when, my, when I'm old and gray, oh God, don't forsake me. There's something about aging that distances you from people around you and even in your relationship with God. Don't forsake me when I'm old and gray until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. So the scriptures set forth a very clear agenda for aging people. You know, we have a purpose, and that is to pour our lives into generations following us. I, I think it's amazing. Uh, the other one I like is Psalm 90, verse 12, where Moses, the oldest psalm writer in the Psalter, prays, teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So he had just said we may have 70 or if strength 80, He's talking, the whole psalm is about aging and what we're to do. He closes the psalm, confirm the work of our hands, which leads me into Robert Browning's poem, Grow Old Along With Me, The Best Is Yet To Be, The Last of Life For Which The First Was Made. So Robert Browning got his theology from the scriptures, and it makes all the difference in the world. So there are a couple of scriptures. The other thing that has really stunned me that I must confess John and Wayne, that I never thought much about as a pastor. I never realized the ages of some of the writers of Scripture and where they were in life. And I don't think I ever taught the Scriptures through the lens of aging. Mm -hmm. You know, let's take the, the Gospel of John. Uh, you know, most conservative scholars would say John was written in John's 80s. He wrote Revelation in his early 90s, one, two, and three John, the same period. So here you have a man who had followed Christ for, what, 60, 70 years before he ever wrote. And so I love to ask aging people, well, what would you write if you were 80, if you were 85, if you were 90? Do you have a message from God that you want to write? And then it introduces you to all those people in the Bible. You know, I will never forget Crawford Loritz's sermon in Fullerton, John, in your church, yep. uh, you know, on aging. And then uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank from Cleveland, Alistair Begg. He <clears throat> preached on Joseph, you know, at that conference. I mean, they're just classic yep. things that people just never pay attention to. At least I never did put it that way. Yep. And then you discover the scriptures are full of aging issues, aging people, and we need to learn from them. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And to discount them, I mean, what what is it in, in the Kings? Was it Rehoboam who would not listen to the older man? Yeah. <laughs> and he basically got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd, be, you'd laugh at this. Uh, one of my favorite books is Ecclesiastes. Walt Kaiser has written that little book in Ecclesiastes called Total Life. Really good. And I'm teaching the book of Ecclesiastes to a, a group of men in a senior living facility here in Dallas. Ecclesiastes, how to stay young while growing older. You know, Solomon, I believe, wrote the book at the end of his life. 
And so I'm teaching it to a group of older men. Does his message about enjoying life with God at the center still ring true in your latter years? And it will. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, I uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to just say uh, in our ministry in Fullerton, our, our banner scripture was Psalm 92. Uh, the righteous man will be fruitful in old age to declare that the Lord is righteous. There's no unrighteousness in him at all. And it goes on and talks and compares it to growing a tree, a, a, a palm tree, a, a cedar in Lebanon. But our underneath that banner, in fact, we had a label put together that you used to find on the side of fruit boxes. And underneath it, we had the inscription, sun ripened, fresh and sweet. Because as we get older, the tendency is to not stay sweet, but to become uh, cranky. But, I mean, if the Spirit of God is still at work in our life, the sweetness will come out. And it's the the dates, the palm dates that are closest to the sun that are the sweetest. And uh, it's a great reminder, at least for me, to stay close to the sun as he's, as the tree gets older. Brave, yeah, it brave. is really uh, uh, true that that the Bible is just full of of scriptures that not mm. only affirm growing older, but also uh, encourage the young to seek out the wisdom of older people. And it's really sad, I think, that uh, so many churches today in their attempts to get younger, which uh, it needs to do, um, it in the process sometimes marginalizes and <laughs> neglects uh, the older folks who are kind of. Uh, pushed off to uh, the edges sometimes. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, I, I love the energy that young people bring. I mean, what older person doesn't want to, you know, I go to grandparents and your grandkids. I mean, it's one of the genius things about Legacy <laughs> Coalition. What grandparent mm-hmm. doesn't light up around his or her grandkids? I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know, y'all want to go to your grandkids' graduations <laughs> or whatever, see the mayor. I mean, the, the sun rises and sets on your yeah. grandkids. So Soccer you have the most, games. Yeah. You have the Soccer most generational thing right games. everywhere. Ballet. <laughs> <laughs> Hal, one thing that uh, I've discovered, uh, having followed your ministry for a number of years, is uh, that you've developed a very interesting curriculum called the Six Essentials of Finishing Well. And I know you have... Uh, uh, materials that you've published on this subject, uh, ways for people to do this uh, study in their churches as a seminar. And um, I, I've just got to ask you about the six essentials. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a bird's eye tour, uh, summarize the uh, six essentials I, I, in uh, five minutes. Can you do that for us? I sure can. But I have to say this when I start. Just in the last month, I've changed them from six to seven. And this is the first <laughs> public occasion i'll say where i've said it we just had a board meeting yesterday and i did lead a conference in houston last month where i introduced the seven essentials but we haven't even told our network yet but uh, let me go through them and i'll tell you why i've changed from six well at least the alliteration is still there six and and seven both you know they they still sound good Well, and and people love the number seven. At least everybody's heard it because it's a perfect number. But it has nothing to do with why I switched to seven. So the first one is you always grow. I will not stop growing. Now, it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to take a little side note here. I'll keep it short. Uh, Robert Clinton from Fuller, you know, he's he's the, the leadership guru on age. I mean, on leadership. He has written a book in which he talks about why leaders don't finish well. And what he says, his first thing is they lose their learning platform. They stop growing. So it seems to me as a Christian, you know, whether it's 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace. You know, the scriptures are always calling us to grow. Jesus grew. Grow in Romans eight twenty nine, the first fundamental is you never stop growing. I mean, how many ways can you grow in your marriage, your kids, your church? I mean, just health, whatever it is, keeping your mind sharp. God wants us to grow. The second thing is he wants to, uh, us to be connected well to other people. 
No man is an island. I mean, we don't grow by ourselves. You know, God gives us friends. So staying connected, you, the image of geese flying. Of course, I use the image of the Peloton, you know, and as, as a cyclist. I have a picture in this seminar of a Peloton in a wind tunnel. And, you know, the guy out front spends 86% of his energy leading the Peloton, which means if he doesn't get any replacements, he's going to die pretty quick. So the guy sitting back in the middle of the Peloton only exerts 5% of his energy and the Peloton sucks him along. It's an amazing visual. You need friends. You don't live life by yourself. The third essential is I will love others the way God loves me. And this intrigues me. Uh, the, uh, John 13, 34 and five, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. You don't just hang out casually having breakfast on Saturday mornings at the, the local deli or whatever. I mean, you can do that. And I think we need to do that. But I think God pushes us in our ability to deepen our love for people. And I, I just encourage older people, deepen your love, deepen your love for others, deepen your love for Jesus. The fourth essential is I will invest in generations following me. I mean, I, I think it's one of the reasons we're here. We're here to grow in Christ and encourage each other as our peers, but we're really here to make disciples. I mean, that's Matthew 28, but invest in others coming behind us. I'll never forget Alistair Begg's comment out of Genesis 50, where Joseph gives a message of hope to his sons, his grandsons, his great great grand and his great great four generations there. He says, I want you to have hope in God. And he sets the standard high. The fifth essential is I will always be available. I mean, th this is crazy. I have no, I don't have any idea what God will do in my life in the next five years. You don't, I mean, we don't know. What doors will he open? What things will he make available to us that I haven't even thought about? And I just think, you know, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees at 75. So at 75, God calls, says, how Becker, I want you to do this. Well, I don't want to do that because it's crazy. Well, I mean, God has ideas up his sleeve that you and I have never thought about. The sixth essential is I will plan ahead for when I won't be here. And that's looking at death. And do you have a lot of things wrapped up in life? Have you written your story? You've talked to your kids. Uh, you know, you got your all your legal instruments, your medical directives. Are you prepared for the end? You know, like Aretha Franklin, that song I love to her, but she died and left a, no will, no estate plans at all. But, you know, that's true for a lot of people. They don't plan ahead. So part of the sixth essential also was anticipating heaven. And the more I gave this seminar, we would spend all kinds of times talking about the end of life. And then I rarely got to heaven and it always bothered me. That's where we're heading. That is eternity. We'll spend with Jesus and with the saints of all the ages. And it became obvious to me, the more I did this, at some point, I said, I got to make a seventh essential because that's what we're really all about. You know, being with Jesus, he's coming back. And he says, John said, first John three, we will see him as he is. I mean, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. So those are the seven essentials. I think that they're wonderful guidelines to live by. I, I don't know how they develop, <laughs> Wayne or John. I mean, I just they just grew out of my life and what I've learned and. Uh, Howard Hendricks had four things you you wanted he wanted you to do. I mean, so here here we have seven, and it's me. It's what God has done in my life. Well, and as we all know, seven is a perfect number. We yes. are told. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, seven and heaven uh, yeah. rhymes, which makes it yep. uh, easy to remember yeah. for sure. Um, Hal, you know, our main concern here at Legacy Grandparenting is uh, is grandparenting, of course. And I'm just wondering, uh, do any of your six essentials, or now seven essentials, do they address uh, grandparenting specifically? I do. I do it on the fourth mm -hmm. essential. You know, that is investing in generations coming behind us. What is your, what is your vision for investing? And, and here's where, you know, I, I compliment I think uh, Legacy Coalition, 
how, how do you do that with your grown kids? That's a big deal for me. Or am I working as a parent building relationships with my grown kids because those, their parents will impact them perhaps more than I will as a grandparent, at least time-wise they're in their homes. So I want to pour my life into my adult kids and I want to pour my life into my grandkids as well. I want to do a both and I applaud what you're doing, you know, in terms of being a grandparent to grandkids. Uh, That's (laughs) phenomenal. You know, the vision is high, but I think we need to do it with our adult kids as well. You know, support them and encourage them and bore, build our lives into them. And uh, where we're all on the same page, so to speak, faith wise, God has given us brilliant opportunities to do that. And then so, you know, their parents and their grandparents are we're all teamed up together working with our grandkids. Yes, that's where I do it. And then I enlarge the thing. I mean, you're you're in a church, so you've got all kinds of grandkids around you that you can adopt and all kinds of surrogate kids who are your age kids to pour your life into as well. So it's those three levels there that I think are really critical. Yes, we do. I think it's awesome. But I always give reference to the Legacy (laughs) Coalition. If you want to be uh, the the best grandparent you can be, you need to go to Legacy Coalition (laughs) and read every bit of their stuff, subscribe to everything they do, go to their conferences, because there is no one better. Yeah, well... (laughs) Thank you, Hal. Um, that's very kind of you. You know, John and I, are, I think, are just uh, honored to be able to tag along as we try to uh, fulfill this vision that, uh, that that the Lord gave to Larry Fowler uh, some years ago to get this thing going. And so mm-hmm. um, we're all working together, and uh, and and intentional Christian grandparenting is is catching on catching on around the country, and we're really grateful for that. Let me ask you another question. You know, you mentioned, uh, and John, you mentioned this too um, earlier, that uh, uh, one of the first, well, the first essential is is about growth, that we need to keep growing. And I know that as I was getting older, and uh, and that was quite a few years ago, as I was really realizing that I was getting older, and I was uh, unable to do a lot of the things that I did when I was younger, and I was feeling sorry for myself, I, re- I really began to realize, and I think God just really spoke to me and said, you know, you, you could get better, Wayne, in a lot of other areas, particularly in the area of spiritual growth. You know, Dallas Willard um, is famous for saying that the main thing that God gets out of your life is the person that you become. And that is all about discipleship. That's that you keep growing more and more spiritually until... Um, you know, we never achieve perfection, but but spiritual growth is a very important part, I think, of a of an older person's uh, challenge of growing old gracefully. And I'm wondering, Hal, um, just asking you, uh, what would you recommend? What would you say to someone who is getting older and and wants to grow spiritually? Um, what are some things that are, that are um, some of us who are who are getting older can do to continue to grow spiritually. Boy, I, I would agree. You know, Paul Turnier wrote a book years ago. Uh, I think it's still available somewhere. Learning to Grow Old. He wrote it out of his experience personally, being with patients and counseling. Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. You know, what? how is God calling me to change? Now, I use grandkids here. You know, one of the great examples of growing are grandkids. Yeah, I, I don't, it, it's just crazy to me how grandkids grow. You know, they come into the world not knowing nothing, and, and, and you're just watching them change every day. So then I say to people, well, how... If God's watching you and others are watching you, how are you growing? What What is changing about you? Or have you plateaued? You know, so whether it's in scripture, uh, you know, one of the one of the challenges I think older people could embrace. If you're retired, you're not spending 50, 60 hours in work, whatever you're doing. So what are you doing with those hours? You know, why don't you take a course off of Biola? I mean, uh, older people can attend classes for 
little or no registration fees anymore, tuition. I mean, you can, I mean, there's ways that you can grow. Take a uh, course on Dallas Seminary. I mean, go wherever you go, take classes from your church, expand your horizons, you know, go to the mission, go, go overseas and help somebody do. I mean, there's just a zillion. And what I love to do, Wayne and John, I'll go to a whiteboard and say, what are all the possibilities that people can do today to keep on growing? And, you know, they start thinking about it and it blows their mind. I mean, you fill a whole board with possibilities, you know, from mentoring to, I mean, whatever it is, taking your grandkids, going on a mission trip. Uh, it's, it's just amazing all the things we can do. And the other thing I always talk about is growing your marriage. You know, marriages tend to become stale or at a certain point and you stop growing in your marriage. You get along and you have good times, but are you growing? Are you developing your relationship? Uh, I would generally say most people don't really grow in their marriages necessarily or growing with, even with your adult kids. I mean, growing in your life. And that's where I go to Peter, first Peter, second Peter three eighteen, where Peter appeals to us, but grow in the grace. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's crazy. All the opportunities we have to grow, but then we got this movie back in 1993 uh, grumpy old men, and then a sequel in 1996. Grumpy John, you old starred men. in that movie, didn't I mean, you? <laughs> yes, I did. That was. A... <laughs> oh yeah. No, well, I, I... I go to you guys, the Legacy Coalition. You are growing a whole new ministry that never existed seven or eight years ago. In marriage, we always would say, "Now we want to get married and settle down." And I just always would tell yeah, couples I'd be counseling. Don't get married and settle down. No, keep growing up. I don't care how many years you have. Maybe more in the future. Keep growing, keep growing, because the tendency is to settle down. Yeah. It is. Hal, I've got a, another question that I'd like to uh, ask here. Uh, you know, at the Legacy Coalition, whenever we get groups of grandparents together, you know, for seminars or for our national conference, one of the issues that we always have to address is the whole issue of how to overcome obstacles to intentional Christian grandparenting. There's a lot of uh, grandparents who who would like to be better at, at uh, grandparenting with purpose and uh, sharing their faith with their grandkids, but maybe their grandkids live far away, and so there's the whole issue of long-distance grandparenting. Or you have grandparents who um, have broken relationships in the family that doesn't allow them access to their grandkids, and they're really not allowed to be uh, sharing their faith with their grandkids. I'm wondering, as you do uh, sessions, um, you're teaching on the six essentials of finishing well, do you um, also encounter uh, seniors or uh, older adults who, who perhaps... Uh, have barriers such as uh, physical disabilities or other things that get in the way of their being able to finish well uh, the way that you prescribe. Um, your comments? Uh, just quickly, I, I have to tell you a story. I did a seminar in a local church here. It was actually in Park City's Baptist Church. There were about 35 people in our workshop. And, you know, I asked everybody, do you have a sense of mission and what God's calling you to do? And there was a gentleman there. He was in his 60s. He was retired, uh, closer in the 70s. He says, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I said to him, would you be a guinea pig for me? And I told him a little bit about off offline. You know, we met. And I said, here's what I'd love to do. I'd love for the group to take you on as a project. He said, I said, would you be willing to do that? He said, yes. So he comes up front of the class and I say in in 10 or 15 minutes would you tell us your story so he told us his story he was an engineer worked out in the oil fields in Odessa blah 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 very active as a Christian you know a couple kids and stuff like that and then I asked him a couple questions I said um, you know what what do you think your best skills are so he enumerated three or four and then I asked him a question what have been the hardest things for you in his life in your life. And he told me about, he was with his daughter-in-law in California who gave birth to a stillborn child. And he said, it's the most painful thing I have ever encountered in my life. 
So with about 20 minutes of background, I opened up to the class and said, well, what do you think he ought to do in his life and what's his mission? How would God want him to grow? And I, I, I as honest, I mean, I just saw the windows of heaven opened up when those 30 people began to make observations about his life and what he could do and how even he could use the painful experience that he went through with his family, he and his wife. And, you know, one of the things he's doing in his church now, he is becoming an advocate, coming alongside all kinds of young people who are suffering, losing children, you know, having uh, hospital stays. He's the ultimate encourager, and God has exploded ministry opportunities in his life. Now, what I'm saying in this, you know, if we would listen to other people speak into our lives and we would say, well, I feel like I'm stuck. Well, you and Wayne, you and John could speak into my life. Well, how, how Baker, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? I see this in you. You could do this, this. And hardships are really opportunities to grow because we only grow when we have to. Generally, we kind of slide into neutral and we just coast along with the wind. Like that guy stuck back in that Peloton. He doesn't have to face the wind. So he just goes along for the ride. Mm -hmm. But when God forces you to grow, like he did with his son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Hebrews five, eight, there's all kinds of opportunities begin. So what I like to do is work with people and say, where are your hangups and how do you get around them? And how can other people help? you see possibilities that you've never seen before. And like in fishing, John, you never fish in the same river twice. Unless you have a good guide, you don't know what in the world you're doing, yeah. but you can grow. Good. Does that make That's sense? Great. That's very good. Good words, Hal. And uh, listen, our time is, is starting to run, run out here, but uh, uh, you've got a podcast. Uh, your ministry has a number of resources available uh, for our listeners. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about how how people can access all of that. Go to finishingwellministries.org and you'll begin to see a whole uh, range of uh, resources available to you, to encourage you, uh, to help you grow. Uh, and one of the things we're starting to see, like you are in your ministries, you know, there are little groups beginning to form around the country. We got, they're, they're cropping up all over the place where people use our resources and they have a little study group. I had a guy from an Anglican church an hour north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I had no idea. He wrote me an email one afternoon. And he says, we've been going through your six essentials with a whole group of retired people. And it's the best thing I've ever done in ministry. Wow. Just to hear people talk about these issues and where God wants them to be. And so find a group like that or create a group in your church and we'll help you. Uh, we have a man, our, a volunteer in our ministry who's helping to equip uh, leaders around the country and churches to develop this kind of thing. And uh, so just go to our website and scout around and sign up and be a part of it and let let the spirit of God begin to use these things to change your change, change and shape your life. That's really good. You know, the, 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 <laughs> The great thing, and we've encountered this, you know, in grandparenting ministry too. That most seniors programs or ministries that you've from in churches traditionally have been basically a bunch of bunch of older people getting together and having uh, little socials and bus trips Pot and <laughs> and potluck, 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 potluck yes, you know. But yeah, and and uh, or they maybe uh, get together. Uh, uh, and discuss the pastor's sermon uh, from last week or something, or criticize the pastor's sermon, but or the pastor. <laughs> but uh, but what you're doing and and what we've been trying to do with the grandparent is 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 it breathes life into uh, gatherings of of uh, people who are getting older because these are things that they really want to talk about. This is stuff that really has relevance to their lives and. Um, um, it's like a breath of fresh air, you know, a source of uh, oxygen to the lungs. So yeah. good stuff, Hal. Uh, let, let, let me ask you, just closing, uh, pray for our ministry. 
uh, you you have an advantage that I don't have in a sense. What grandparent doesn't want to love their grandkids and be a better <laughs> grandparent? You know, I, sometimes I wish I could get every senior pastor in the country and we could have a conversation. Why aren't we encouraging older men and women to make this season the best season in their life? And that includes grand, I mean, grandkids. Uh, but the emotional attachment is not there like it is with grandkids and grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so I would ask for your prayer. That one of my prayers is that God help us keep discovering keys that unlock these truths for a senior generation across America that could be, like Howard Hendricks said, the best thing the church, is, the church could ever ha- have had. Mm-hmm. So pray for us on that deal. Absolutely. We will. And I'll, I'll pray for you as well. Thank you. Well, before we wrap things up, let me remind our listeners that uh, we have uh, a conference coming up real soon, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, It could be uh, uh, next week or it could be this week, or or maybe it's in the past now. But the 2022 Legacy Grandparenting Summit is, is happening. Our speakers this year include Jim Burns and Graham Lotz, Tim and Darcy Kimmel, Miles McPherson, John Stone Street, Rob Reno, Michelle Anthony, Gordon McDonald, Crawford Loretz, and uh, and others as well. The dates are Thursday and Friday, October 20th and 21st, and you can join us either at Crosswater Church in Ponte Vedra Beach near Jacksonville, Florida, or at one or more of the 100-plus simulcast locations around the country. There's one near you, I'm sure. Details are on the website at LegacyCoalition.com slash Summit. Anything else, John, that we need to mention? No, I. it's been a great morning or afternoon or evening, whenever <laughs> you're listening. But Hal, you've, uh, you've shared with us some wonderful, not just tidbits, but principles for living and ministry. So thank you so much. You're welcome, John. Thank you both. Just a joy to be with you. Thanks again to Hal Habecker for being our guest today. And that wraps up Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. Until next time, this is Wayne Rice and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.